1: Thanks for listening to Corvette Today, the podcast that talks about everything Corvette. I'm your host, Steve Garrett. I appreciate you tuning in. You can listen to Corvette Today on almost all podcast platforms like iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Anchor.fm, Breaker, Radio Public, Pocket Casts, CastBox, Overcast, BeanPod, TuneIn, Spreaker, Stitcher, and now Audible as well. You can also listen on your smart device. All you have to do is say, Alexa, or hey, Google, play the podcast called Corvette Today, and you're connected. Also, visit the Corvette Today website. It's www.corvettodaypodcast.com. You can also sign up for Corvette Today notifications, updates, and information at corvettetoday.ck.page. And don't forget to join the Corvette Today Facebook group. We now have over 1,600 members, and I'd love to have you as a member as well. First, let me thank our flagship sponsors of Corvette today, Haltech Systems. Haltech makes the best cold air intake with world-class performance for your C5, C6, C7, and C8 Corvette. It's the quickest and fastest intake with no cutting or hacking. It's just plug and play and no throwing codes. Get your special Corvette today discount of 11% off with the code CT11 online at HallTechSystems.com or just call them 262 965 4300. That's 11% off at H A L L T E C H Systems.com or their phone number is 262 965 4300 and get your Corvette Today discount. Also, midenginecorvetteforum.com. If you'd like to join this new vibrant forum that focuses on the new mid-engine C8 Corvette, it's free to join this friendly community. You'll find a lot of Corvette enthusiasts like yourself at midenginecorvetteforum.com. Also, a shout out to canadiancorvetteforum.com, welcoming Corvette owners around the world. My guest on Corvette Today is the owner and president of the longest-running all-Corvette event in the United States. It's Bloomington Gold. Bloomington Gold has been the premier Corvette event for over 40 years. And not only has this man been associated with Bloomington Gold for over 20 years, but he also serves as the chairman of judging for the event, Mr. Guy Larson. Guy, welcome to Corvette Today.
2: Hey, Steve, thanks for having me on. I look forward to this. It's the beginning of winter, I guess. It's kind of fun to have Corvettes to talk about.
1: Absolutely right. We just run out of things to do during the fall and winter, and it's always nice to have something Corvette-related to carry us through the season, for sure. Yeah. Guy, let's talk about the early beginnings of Bloomington Gold. Bloomington Gold started in 1973 as a swap meet, but the backbone of the whole show was the judging system. Talk about the beginnings of Bloomington Gold and the judging system.
2: Okay, sure. You got it right. Bloomington Gold started out as a car corral. It was just uh, guys getting together and meeting somewhere. Guys began bringing parts to sell, and so the whole swapping of parts became a big thing. Of course, you know this is well before Internet and eBay and Amazon and everything else that we have nowadays. So in-person was the way that you found those kind of items. So Bloomington started to grow, and they changed the name to Bloomington Gold. It was about five years in when the judging that we do began. And it grew out of some guys had concern that they would go to Corvette judging shows. The end result always was that one guy won and everybody else lost. Right. Even if you got second or third or fourth, everybody wanted to be first. And you know, you still see that in competitive events of that kind. So they came up with a concept of where if everybody in their own car were judged to hit a certain level, they all could get the gold award, the top award. So nothing was called first, second, or third. The top award was called gold. The level right under it was called silver, and the level under that is called bronze, and we still use that terminology in our judging today.
1: Well, and that's the obviously the way the title of the whole event is with Bloomington Gold, but the uniqueness of the whole event is the judging system. Let's talk a little bit more about the judging system and its unique approach to the way you judge a car based upon the strength and uniqueness of the car itself
2: first thing that you have to grasp about how we judge, we don't judge any car against another car or against what a particular judge thinks is best. We judge the car component by component. We judge as compared to how it left the factory. So how accurately it resembles as it did when it was produced. And then we commonly, after that, say the phrase, no better, no worse. Meaning, for example, you could paint a car better today than you could in 1963 or something. Right. But what our judging looks for is it to be as close to how it was produced at that time, not for it to come in looking like a grand piano that you could comb your hair in any part of. That's not how cars were done at that time. So that's the no better, no worse. We actually look to how well it resembles as to how it was done at that time.
1: Talk about the different levels of certification, Guy, because that's really important. It's based upon different criteria as well, isn't it?
2: Well, you know, I referred to gold, silver, and bronze. Right. For a car to achieve gold, which is what everybody shoots for, the gold cars, after all the judging of the entire car, the four different sections of the car, meaning the body, the chassis, the interior, and the engine compartment... If a car receives 95% of the possible points, again, comparing to how it left the factory, 95% or higher, it is certified as a gold certified car. 90 to 95 is silver, and 85 to 90 is bronze. Now, let me dive into a little bit more of what we look for. So, I said we judge component by component. Say in the chassis, there'll be specific components of the chassis that they'll look at, say the shock absorbers, the brakes, the fuel lines, the brake lines. And each of those are evaluated on their finish, date coding, if that applies, how they are installed, the configuration of the part. Let me pick an example. Say uh, shock absorbers from the late 60s and 70s, they were commonly this kind of battleship gray color, had a certain name on them for different years, and they would have dating or they would have part numbers on them. So the judges look at all those things. If they look at it and it appears very close to how it left the factory, you get all the points. If they look at it and they see some easily detectable differences, and we use that terminology a lot, easily detectable. Say they see that it's supposed to be battleship gray, and instead it's dove gray. That would be a minor deviation, but it would be a deviation. To go to more of extreme, if they're yellow Monroe shocks, which is not the correct name, not the correct color, not the correct dimensions, that would be a heavy deduction. That's how they go about it on the accuracy portion of the component. Now, at the same time, they look at that component for condition, meaning does it have dents in it? Does it have wear and tear? Does it have rust? Is it missing little segments and so on? So there's a condition aspect of each component also. Gotcha. But the accuracy part, the first part I described is worth more, always worth more than the condition part. That makes sense. We've done that to preserve the trueness of the parts, So we don't have anybody taking off if they got a really accurate shock absorber, but it's rusty, we don't want them to replace it with a shiny Monroe shock that looks better. Gotcha. We weight everything towards the accuracy side.
1: That makes sense, Guy. Talk about what cars are eligible to be judged at Bloomington Gold. You know, like what generations of car, and what's the cost to get the car registered to be judged?
2: The first part will surprise you. It often surprises a lot of people. We will judge any year Corvette from 1953 to. 2020 that's wonderful yeah sometimes people say really you judge a new car it doesn't happen very much but sometimes we judge a car that's just a couple years old you know the people are proud of the car they're doing it for self-satisfaction It might be a unique model that's only a few years old, but they wanna make sure it is correct. But normally it's more the cars from the 60s and the 70s and the 80s. Sure. The cost of it is $650 for the gold certification judging.
1: Let's say I've got my car, I've got it registered. Talk about the judging process, Guy, because how long does it take to judge? How many people are judging the car? That kind of thing.
2: Well, when you register your car to judge, We immediately send you a packet of what we call data sheets for you to fill out, and it will have information such as the casting date of the engine, the VIN number on the engine, VIN number on the car, picture of the trim tag of the car. So we can analyze those items and make sure, first of all, that there isn't an obvious discrepancy in any of those items. Right. Meaning if you had a 1967 big block and you send us the casting number and the VIN number and the casting number refers to a big block from a different Chevrolet, like a Kampala or something. Right. Then we would catch that and sort of just to save maybe a little agony of the owner to catch it ahead of time. That's good. Yeah, that's kind of a first step. When you actually get to the event, they check in. Obviously, we go through that day to make sure everything's right. We position the cars, and then the day of judging, we do the certification judge, and we aim to do it in 36 minutes, actually.
1: Nice. That's great.
2: 36 minutes is derived from a group of cars to be judged by one team will have a maximum of 10 cars. So 10 cars at 36 minutes is 360 minutes. That's six hours. So that allows for a little time in between each car for a lunch break and that type of thing. And we know that we can do the cars in, say, an eight-hour day. Gotcha. There will be a team of four judges that initially come to the car. That's a judge who does the body Another for the interior, another for the exterior, and another for the chassis. When those four judges finish their sections, they also do a tech or operations check on the car. All those different items carry points or value also. So they check the turn signal lights, they check the headlights, they check crank up windows, electric windows, a number of different things to make sure everything works correctly. A second team will come to the car at some point throughout the day. And we call that the stamp and tag team. They check the engine stamp on the car for accuracy, and they check the trim tags and VIN tags on the car. Trim tags and VIN tags, there's no leeway on that. If they are incorrect, the car is disqualified. If you have a non-original VIN tag on a car, it's sort of like not having fingerprints on a person. Right. You can't prove what that car is. So if the judges from their body of knowledge and their database which I'll get back to in a minute, if they determine that there's a VIN tag that is some discrepancy that would have never been done from the factory, then the car could be disqualified. And in some states, a car with a improper VIN tag cannot even be sold or used or titled. Wow. That's an issue. So now on the engine, they check the engine stampings. And to some people, this is kind of boring. But the more you look into it, the more fascinating it is. In most of the years, the engine has a number on it that matches the VIN number of the car. It's obviously important to prove that your car is completely original. It also will have a suffix that has information about the car that will tell you that it's for a certain year, maybe that it's for a coupe or that it's a big block car or a small block car, that kind of information. So that stuff's all important. It's amazing to people who are not in this hobby to find out that the guys who do this, that's all they do is look at those three components, the engine stamp. The trim tag and the vintag. And they have a database that I mentioned of about 20,000 images of these items. Wow. So they study those things and they learn how the different characters in a vintag. Let's say you, you can imagine the number seven. There's a few different ways you can make it number seven, right? Like the long part of it can have a little curve to it or it could be dead straight. At the top, it can go horizontal and then it can have a little piece that comes down or it cannot. And those did not stay the same year to year. And these judges memorize those items and they know exactly how those numbers and letters should look. That's the first thing they look at. And then there are other things like the grouping of the characters that are within that. And then there's an item called broach marks, which is marks that were put onto that engine pad when it was manufactured. If those things are not there, then something has been done to the car. It is not how it was original.
1: Very interesting. You've been involved with Bloomington Gold for over 20 years now. You know, I didn't even ask you, and I should have right at the start, but talk about how you first got involved with the event and then how you wound up purchasing the show.
2: <laughs> Some of us are lucky or unlucky in life to be born a car guy. You get hooked on it as at a young age Like you interview, I've interviewed a lot of people and asked them when they first got the affliction, so to speak. Exactly. (laughs) And why did they decide that they liked 1960s Corvettes or 1970s Corvettes or 1960s GTOs? It's interesting, and it often goes back to their childhood. It could be pretty young years of childhood, but somehow I began loving cars, and I know at a really early age, when the new cars would come out in the fall, my dad would stop at several different dealerships and pick up the catalogs, bring them home to me, and I would memorize the cars, and then when he and I drove around, he'd point at a car, and I'd tell him what it was, and he'd point at another, and I'd rattle off what I thought it was. I guess that's how it kind of started. I remember that an uncle of mine who was kind of the youngest uncle of all the family, and he was a cool guy, he showed up one day with a Corvette convertible, and it had to be pretty early age because my brother and I both sat in the passenger seat and took us for a ride. Nice. And we both fit in there, and I guess that's where you catch it. But skipping ahead, after I got out of college, I drove a car that I paid $25 for for about a year and a half and saved money and bought a Corvette. Wow. I've bought a lot of them since then. I've had a lot of different Corvettes, and it's something you get hooked on. I always thought it was worth working a little harder to have one of them. and I managed to hold on to them through, you know, having kids and buying houses and stuff, all the things that usually end the life of owning Corvettes, but got onto it, stayed there. That's fantastic.
1: That's a great story. Hey, let's take a quick break, Guy. But coming up in segment number two, we're going to talk about the growth of Bloomington Gold on Corvette Today, the podcast. Yogi Berra once said, if you don't know where you're going, you'll probably end up there. At True Wealth & Company, we take that to heart. See, at True Wealth & Company, we believe your retirement lifestyle travels through two doors. Door number one, the blue door, gives you more options, financial freedom. Your money outlives you. Every happiness you wish for in life is through the blue door. Door number two, the red door, is where you outlive your money. You rely on family, friends, or even the state to take care of you. At True Wealth & Company, we're not just financial planners. The best way to walk through the blue door is to have a written plan. Make a work-optional lifestyle a reality with our proprietary True Life Map formula. Look towards your future with anticipation, not apprehension. Having a rock-solid fiduciary partner like True Wealth and Company is essential to effective financial planning. There's no winging it. There's nothing left to chance. Look, we don't want you to become another Yogi berra Give us a call today at 913-653-TRUE. Visit us online at retirewithtrue.com.
0: Start your financial independence and work optional lifestyle today. 913-653-8783. Visit us online at retirewithtrue.com. Investment advice offered through True Wealth and Company, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of Kansas.
1: And now, back to Corvette Today with your host and my husband, Steve Garrett. Hey, thanks for listening to Corvette Today, the podcast that talks about everything Corvette. I'm your host, Steve Garrett. With me today is the president and owner of Bloomington Gold, Mr. Guy Larson. Guy, let's talk about Bloomington Gold and where it's been held in previous years and where it's held today.
2: Yeah, well, you know, as you said earlier, Bloomington Gold's been around for 47 or 8 years. And we've been in a few different locations. Obviously, we started in Bloomington, and people say, oh, Bloomington, Indiana? Nope. Bloomington, Minnesota? Nope. Bloomington, Illinois. There you go. It was held on a fairgrounds, just inexpensive, large piece of land that the guys could rent back then. It was there for a number of years. It also moved to Springfield, Illinois, to big fairground facility there for several years. In the late 90s, it moved north to a suburb of Chicago called St. Charles, and it was held at a Pheasant Run golf resort, and it was very pretty. The cars were parked on a fairway and that type of thing. The People liked that, but a lot of people were adverse to driving into a big city like Chicago and the traffic and such to get there. We moved from Pheasant Run to Champaign, Illinois, trying to kind of get back to the more of the small town aspect and we rented some land that was owned by the University of Illinois and it was a great plan except we kind of collided with their plan of remodeling their athletic center and so they were constantly under construction meaning with ground on earth and parking lots ripped up and it was muddy and dirty and it was kind of not a thing that was attractive to Corvettes. So we searched and somebody hit me with the idea of going to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And I honestly thought we couldn't do that, but we called them. And it was a time where the Indy Motor Speedway people were trying to add more events to their show with more different things. So we got in there and it was really amazing to have a car show in such an iconic place. It's in the top 10 sports destinations in the world. It's a really cool place. And we loved being there. We did seem to always run into rain when we were there. It affected some of the shows. This year in 2020, we moved from the Indy Motor Speedway to another location that I'll get to. And people kind of wonder why. And as a lot of things this year, blame it on COVID. COVID hit early in spring. I knew we would not be able to hold the show in June. We started talking about delaying it, and then it became pretty evident that all events would not have the attendance that you normally would in this year. So we had to go to somewhere that was a little smaller and a little more reasonable in cost, given a smaller attendance factor. So we moved to the Lucas Oil Football Stadium in downtown Indy, and it turned out, in my opinion, I thought it was beautiful. All the Judge cars were indoor. The first time in 48 years that we had all the cars inside for judging. Wow. And all the special collection cars, they were inside. They're all positioned around the concourse. You know, when you walk in and you got uh, concessions and stores and selling paraphernalia and different things, the cars were all parked all the way around there. It's really cool. And then down at the lower level, the football field level, very few people know this, but they have an exhibit hall down there. We had most of our vendors down in that exhibit hall, and again, they were protected from rain and everything else, so that was pretty cool. We were one of the few Corvette shows to happen, I think, this year. Probably our show and Corvettes of Carlisle, I think, were the only major Corvette shows that happened. But next year, we're planning to add some driving events and some different outings. We've got some other neat ideas, and we think it's going to really take off there. That sounds great.
1: You know, there is something for everybody, all Corvette enthusiasts at Bloomington Gold. Even if you don't have your car judged, talk about what a person can do when they attend the event.
2: That's a great question. I'm glad you asked that because, you know, people who are not familiar with the show think, well, I don't have a high level car to go there and have my car be at the show. That's not the main reason that people come there. People want to come and look at those cars, but we'll judge around 100 cars, sometimes 120 or sometimes 90, but somewhere around that number. And we'll have in a good non-COVID year, we could have 4,000 Corvettes show up for the show. Wow. So people just drive in with what they love and drive, and they come to the show. We do have something for everybody, as you say. You know, we've had uh, autocross driving where they can drive their own car on a course. We've had a road tour on Saturday night where we can have four or 500 cars go on a road tour. And we actually hold a record for the most number of one make a car in a parade, and it was 2,210 cars, I think. That's amazing. Yeah, that was a number of years back. But we also have uh, vendors selling parts and accessories and clothing. We have 200 and some vendors. So they're selling T-shirts and polo shirts or they're selling mufflers or tires. Everything you can imagine, car related and, and then some just fun stuff related.
1: So there is something there for everybody.
2: Yeah, we always have a special collection of Corvettes. We call it the gold collection. And there will be a different theme each year that we feature, but we'll have somewhere between 20 and 40 cars that are invited to be on display. And they are very, very unique cars. And I often tell people the price of getting into our show, if you just went to this special collection, it would be well worth it. We have cars you almost never see anywhere else. For example, this year we had a Corvette SR2. There are only two of them in existence, and we had that car on display. Wow. We had the Mako Shark the year before. That is a car that was used to design the 68 Corvette. Chevrolet owns it. There's one. We had that car. A few years back, we had a special collection. In 2018, we did a collection of Corvette L88s, which is a very highly collectible car. Oh, yeah. For example, within that collection, in 1967, they made 20 L88s. There are 16 or 17 still remaining, and we had 13 of them on display.
1: That's amazing.
2: Yeah. So we had, I don't know, somewhere near a hundred and some million dollars worth of Corvettes in one room.
1: That's pretty darn incredible.
2: Yeah. Those collections are really, really cool. It's sort of like going to the Automotive Corvette Museum for a day.
1: Absolutely right. And seeing more rare cars, actually. Yeah. Guy, talk about the benefits of having your Corvette judged at Bloomington Gold and talk about the value that your car gets from having a Bloomington Gold certification.
2: Yeah, that's a good question. You know, and going back to you, you asked me what your cars can be judged, and I told you any year your car can be judged. So some people do it just for their own personal pride to know that their car is authentic and correct, that their car might not be a highly collectible car, but they still want to do it. If you get the car certified Bloomington Gold and it receives a gold 95% or higher rating, the value of the car can be affected quite a bit it can increase the value of the car 10, 20%. That's wonderful.
1: And the resale value, if they ever wanted to sell the car, would be much, much higher with a Bloomington Gold certification.
2: Right. We keep all those records on file, and so people who are curious can contact our office, and for a fee, we will run the VIN number of a car and uh, give them the judging reports of that car, whether it was last year or 12 years ago.
1: Oh, that's good to know. Guy, talk about how you got involved and started in judging at Bloomington Gold. I bet that's a cool story.
2: Yeah, well, being a car guy, and I told you I bought my first Corvette right after college, and I started going to neighborhood shows and things and having fun. But somewhere along the line, I wandered into uh, going to Bloomington Gold Corvette shows, and I would walk through there and I would see these cars being judged. And honestly, the cars that I owned weren't of that caliber in those years, but I would be fascinated by them. And you know, it's it's a hobby that just got to me, and I'd read more and more about the cars, and I went to Bloomington watching it for several years. And one year I went up to one of the judges who was overseeing the cars that were being judged in what you call the C3 generation, which would be 68 to 82. I told him I was interested in becoming a judge and what would it take, and he explained it a little bit, but he said, I hate to tell you that we've got more judges on hand than we need, but you might talk to that fellow over there for the later model cars, 1984 and up. They need judges, so I went over and talked with him, and he said that they didn't need anybody now, but he would talk to me and blah, 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 so I did that, and then. I actually came back and said, Hey, I'll do anything. I'll walk around with you. I'll go get you coffee, <laughs> carry your clipboard. And he, he and I laugh about this and he tells people it's true. He did tell me that. And he did get me coffee and, uh, <laughs> I walked around, they let me be closer and watch what was going on. And then he said I could be interviewed by him and he'd get, find out what my product knowledge was. We did that, and I was on a list that someday maybe I'd be able to judge, and the next year, it was coming up to the time of the show, and he called, and he goes, uh, well, you're on. He goes, so-and-so cannot come, so if you're ready, you're a judge. There's a little more to it than that, but I sort of begged my way into doing it.
1: <laughs> and look what it's turned out to be for you. That's fantastic. Yeah. Guy, let's take another break, but in segment number three, we're going to talk about the future and growth of Bloomington Gold on Corvette Today, the podcast.
0: If you're looking for top-quality aftermarket parts for your C2 through C7, and especially your new C8 Corvette, look no further than Apsys USA. We are a leader in aftermarket parts, especially parts made in carbon fiber. Whether it's for your interior, exterior, or engine bay, Apsys USA can custom make nearly any part you want in leather, carbon fiber, or carbon flash. Plus, we have custom parts for your new C8 Corvette that no other company has. Visit our website at absysusa.com. Or call toll-free at 1-800-68-APSIS. That's 1-800-682-7747. Call and get the special Corvette Today discount of 10% off your order. We'll help you customize your Corvette to give it that one-of-a-kind look. So when you want the best, look to the leader in aftermarket interior, exterior, and engine bay parts for your Corvette. APSIS USA at APSISUSA.com. Don't forget, call today and get your 10% discount when you mention the Corvette Today podcast
2: this is the corvette today podcast with steve garrett
1: thanks for listening to corvette today the podcast that talks about everything corvette I'm your host, Steve Garrett. With me today is the president and owner of Bloomington Gold, Guy Larson. In segment number three, we're going to talk about the future of Bloomington Gold. Guy, with this pandemic environment that we're living in, talk about the precautions that you took to ensure that everybody had a safe environment to be in and a positive experience.
2: Sure. You know, now in hindsight, it seems like it wasn't too bad, but early in the spring and summer when we were preparing for having the event, it was a bit of a mystery as to what we were going to have to do. And, you know, the health departments and the state and the event people like myself were all kind of taking it one week at a time. Things would change constantly of what was required and such We work closely with the folks at Lucas Oil Stadium and with the Indiana Health Department. And as the summer evolved, the health department actually created a document of what items they wanted to see and require. So some things that you've seen on the news, like restricting the capacity within the building to a certain percentage so that you don't have any crowds, obviously wearing masks having hand sanitizing stations, restrooms cleaned often, very often, any kind of tables and chairs cleaned constantly and and that kind of thing, lots of signage. The event has to pay for all these things. They're not just furnished by somebody. Right. We bought the signs and had all this done. We bought labels for the floor that encouraged people staying six feet apart. And we paid persons who were certified by the state of Indiana to patrol the crowd and keep people separated. So we did quite a bit coming up to the show. I would tell people, if you attend our event, you will find that it's going to be safer than going to your grocery store. And it was, and we had no issues. Nobody was even worried once they got there. I understood people who did not come that have health concerns or just generally concerned about COVID. Everybody was concerned about it. So I understood people not coming, but those who came had a great time. They found it to be very safe. We even instructed all of our judges on how to do their judging and stay distant from each other and distant from the owners. Everybody wore a mask the entire time they were in the building, no excuses. It all went well. We didn't have any incidents. The health department came and checked on us and we were approved each time they came with no issues, no changes needed. So it can be done. It's more work and more difficult, but we've made it through it. That's great.
1: And you have a new category this year. Talk about the RestoMod category for Bloomington Gold and how you approach that category.
2: Sure. That caught some people by surprise. We own the trademark on the word survivor. And so here we come out with something that's the opposite of survivor, you might say. So it's cars that are highly modified as opposed to mostly authentic and original. For several months, we did Zoom calls with a group of judges and worked on the idea of what we would look for and what we would judge. We actually took cars off the Internet that had multiple photos that were modified, and we used those as examples to practice judging. That's a good idea. Yeah, Zoom taught people a lot of ways to conduct business this year. So we kind of made the most out of Zoom and used it a lot in creating this Resto Mod category. So it ends up that we have a Resto Mod Gold, a Resto Mod Silver, and Resto Mod Bronze Award, to put it simply. And there are different levels of how much modification and there's uniqueness and detail involved in there. That's all scrutinized and judged. Similarly to the other car judging we do, we go through the four sections of the car. Again, the engine, interior, exterior, and chassis, and there's one judge doing each section and checking all the components for how much they are modified.
1: Very nice. Talk about next year's event. Where we are going to have it, and what's the date, Guy?
2: Next year's event, we're having it at the Lucas Oil Stadium. It's going to be the middle of June, like the 17th, 18th. Nice. We are going to build on what we did this year, meaning that we're going to add some different things to it. We're going to do probably a couple of drive-out events or maybe a rally. That'll be fun. I'll withhold the details on that so we get it a <laughs> little bit more along. We're going to build the rest of my judging more for sure, and I expect that we'll have more cars for judging. We have opened up registration for exhibitors to go head on and register for exhibit space. That was just a few days ago, and people are registering already, so that's great.
1: If someone wants to become a Bloomington Gold judge, how do they do that? Because that's got to be an interesting process.
2: Yeah. You know, I just had somebody write to me a couple of days ago and ask that question, and it's, uh, I have a little longer answer for them, but I'll tell you that there's four basic things that we talk about in becoming a judge, or we call it the four P's. The first one is the person has to have product knowledge in some specific range of Corvette, some year range. They have to be highly, highly knowledgeable. When you watch our judging, the judges do not refer to books or manuals and such. They know the finishes that are on different components. They know the installation process. They know the car from memory in their section. So that's the first thing is they have to have product knowledge. And one of our senior judges would interview them for that product knowledge. Then there's the second P that is people skills. That one's a little tougher, but in the interview process, we try to determine what a person's people skills are. And we cannot teach that. You know, it's sort of like you come to the show, you come to the meeting with whatever skills you have in that area. The person has to be very good at that. It's really critical to us that the judges treat the owners with respect and make the event very enjoyable for the car owners. I tell people, we're not there to catch things that are wrong on the cars. We're there to help you win an award. And so we need judges who have a great people skills and can communicate well and can explain to an owner what they can do to improve their car if they don't score so well. Then the final two Ps are things that they have to commit to doing, and that is procedures and protocols. We have a lot of procedures and protocols. We're really almost like being in the Army, you might think. You know, we wear a specific uniform. You have your name tag in on a specific place. And you speak in a certain manner. So this gets to protocols. We actually have a training with a list of words that you do not say to an owner. You don't look at a part and say, well, that thing is wrong. That's not the way that we speak. We answer it more like this particular component is not what we would normally expect to see. And let me explain why. So there's a lot of that education that makes it more of a pleasant event for the owner. And it's really important. So that's how we go about screening judges and determining if they can be on a team.
1: Very nice. And Guy, if somebody wants to reach you or go to the
2: website, give us
1: all the contact information for you and for Bloomington Gold in general.
2: Sure. That's pretty easy. To reach me, it's simple email, guy at bloomingtongold.com. If you have a question for the office, you can send it to info at bloomingtongold.com. And our website is www.billingtongold.com.
1: Pretty simple.
2: Lots of information there, lots of cool down menus. You can find leaflets on that tell you about getting your car judged. That sounds great. I
1: know that I've enjoyed it. I went with my C7 and did not have a judge, but boy, did I have a great time at all the Bloomington Golds that I've attended. Guy, thank you so much for being on Corvette today. We really appreciate the interest, the information, and all the excitement that's coming up with the 2021 Bloomington Gold out at Lucas Oil Stadium in June.
2: Well, thank you, Steve, and thank you for what you're doing to promote the hobby. I appreciate that very much. It's very good to keep people interested and get younger people to hear what things like Bloomington Gold are about.
1: Thanks again for listening to Corvette Today and thanks to our flagship sponsors too. Make sure you take advantage of these great podcast discounts from Haltech Systems. You can get 11% off with the code CT11. Use that online at H-A-L-L-T-E-C-H systems.com or call them at 262- 965-4300. Also, Apsis USA. Get 10% off online at apsisusa.com or call them at 1-800- 68-Apsis and mention the Corvette today podcast to get your 10 percent discount
0: you've been listening to corvette today with steve garrett if you'd like to contact steve with any thoughts on the podcast or ideas for guests on corvette today you can email him at stevegarrettdj at gmail.com that's stevegarrettdj at gmail.com garrett has two r's and two t's or connect with steve on social media on facebook twitter or instagram Using at Steve Garrett DJ. Thanks again for listening to Corvette today.